Ogumbawale for the win. Hello and welcome to Lockdown Women's Basketball. I'm your host, Howard Magdal. Remind you, you can follow us on Twitter at LockdownWBB. Make sure you're listening to all our incredible hosts, from Trina Mustafa to Erica Ayala, Amy Audebert, talking about the women's game that we all love. Lockdown Women's Basketball is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. It's that time of year, Dan, and all eyes now are turning to... Football, as teams are back on the gridiron to start the football season. Of course, for those of us who care deeply about women's basketball, it's worth noting betonline.ag also offers the opportunity to wager on the WNBA. I still remember when Gina Auriemma told me that women's basketball will not be truly as big as it needs to be until people are doing that. So kudos to betonline.ag for doing just that. Be sure to take advantage of their super promo. Make a bet on the Thursday, September 9th season opener between the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25 for new customers only when signing up and using promo code NFL100. Also make sure you get your bonus. Sign up today. Promo code LOCKEDON. L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. That's promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline.ag. And without further ado, I'm just going to get right into it. We had the chance. I did, along with my wonderful colleagues out in Connecticut, Jacqueline LeBlanc, Alexa Philippou, Charlotte Carroll, to catch up with Kathy Engelbert. Really interesting time of year. The commissioner, really great as always. Just, as a baseball fan... Somebody who sees Rob Manfred never miss an opportunity to miss an opportunity. It certainly stands out when you hear Kathy Engelbert, who is clearly enthusiastic about the league she's the commissioner of. It shouldn't be that it stands out compared to MLB, but it, but it does. So I'll let you listen and hear what I mean if you've ever heard Rob Manfred talk. When Kathy Engelbert does, this is not that. I'm Howard Megdahl. You're listening to Locked On Women's Basketball. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we have Commissioner Kathy Engelbert here today to take some questions from our local media. Uh, so feel free, whoever would uh, like to ask the first question. Raise your hand. If there's any. <laughs> Charlotte's awesome. <laughs> Hi, Charlotte. Charlotte. Nice to see you. Oh, great to see you. Celebrating the 25th anniversary, what's been your favorite WNBA memory? If you've got one over the course of those 25 years. Of 25 years? Yeah. Um, or since I, you started. Well, I, I think definitely um, looking back at that first season, the courage coming off the 96 Atlanta Olympics to actually, you know, give birth to this idea. And I thought it was pretty cool that this weekend that David Stern was inducted into the um, Women's Basketball Hall of Fame. Think about that Women's Basketball Hall of Fame for the courage to, you know, because remember when the league first was launched, it was all NBA affiliated teams. Obviously, we have a different mix today, which I think is also really good. Um, and I think just this year, having the council that we have of legends, so to be able to engage with Lisa Leslie and Cheryl Swoops and Cynthia Cooper and um, Val Ackerman and others, I mean, it's just been Fran Harris. It's just been so meaningful to me as a fairly still new person in this ecosystem to, um, you know, to, to hear the stories 
and hear them banter back and forth. Unfortunately, because of COVID, it's still all virtual. Um, although, you know, I've had a little more interaction with Lisa because she was at Commissioner's Cup and, and All-Star and whatnot. So, um, but it's been great. It's been really, um, really fun to um, reminisce, I guess I'll say. Um, and I just think it's pretty amazing. And I was talking with some fans just now, and um, I think about, like, the only women's professional sports league to be 25 years, and not just surviving, but thriving right now. It's pretty impressive. So, again, I, I give credit to all the giants on whose shoulders we stand today. So, I don't have one moment. I mean, this year, I think we've had a lot of buzzer beaters. Like, I love such a fan of the game and a student of the game. I love when it's a really close game down to the end and a buzzer beater wins it. Um, and those are all those moments I think are special. Yes. Hi, Melissa from the Melissa Phillips from the Hartford. Yes. Good to meet you. Good to um, see you. Yeah, now the dust has settled a little bit. Um, curious what you thought of how the commissioners come went. Um, good. The good part, things you might want to change. Um, looking forward to you know continuing it for the years. To come. Yeah, we knew in the first year this was going to be. Um, something where we were going to learn for for next year. I think I'm totally pleased with the start of building both conference rivalries, since we don't have that in our playoff format like other leagues. So conference rivalries, check. Um, you know, the um, you know the building of um, something which makes the first half of the season really meaningful, check. I mean, I don't know if you watched the last weekend um, prior to the Olympic break, but, I mean, these teams were playing hard. That still had a chance. Um, going into, I think it was Thursday, Friday, when then Connecticut and Seattle eventually clinched. So I think, and now that players realize, like, yeah, yeah we really paid the players a lot uh, of money coming off of the, that one championship game, I think also their motivation and their um, focus, I think, next year, when it, it's become real now because we actually, you know, paid out the, the prize pool, um, is something. And then, you know, to have a, a media deal with a Prime Video, you know, anchored on the Commissioner's Cup. We wouldn't have had that if we didn't have the Commissioner's Cup. So the business aspect um, check. I think we have to think about where we play the game. Uh, a neutral site, while Phoenix did an amazing job, I think, you know, a neutral site is something we'll look at whether maybe the best record in the Commissioner Cup um, play in the first half of the season hosts it and you get a real fan element to it. Or is there um, a destination site where you might be thinking about the, the you know, college game is really popular and bring bring the Commissioner's Cup there, So, or a destination city. So a, a variety of things we're thinking of as to where, because um, I think without the built-in fan base of one of the two teams, I think, you know, although I think in arena, the fan, I mean, I, the fan field was good, but that's something I think we need to look at as we go forward. But given that we didn't know whether we were going to have fans, because remember, we're planning this back in February and March, and Phoenix stepped up, and we knew they, they, you know, we didn't know they would have the NBA Finals, which I thought was kind of cool because it's become, like, a, you know, a very popular uh, team right now in city for basketball. But um, uh, so those are the things that we're going to take a look at. And then um, how to activate it in each market for each Commissioner Cup game. Again, because of COVID and very limited fans in the first half of the season, we would have activated more around the Social Justice Council three pillars in each of the markets with live fans couldn't do that because of COVID, so that's something we'll ratchet up. We did, you know, the if you saw the content piece we did virtually um, with some, you know, mental health and LGBTQ plus and, and some real leaders in that, that worked out well. We played that on the Thursday leading into Commissioner's Cup, but you know, there's nothing like live 
activation that you can do, and then you could get that sponsored, and then that brings revenue. So more revenue opportunities to hopefully a presenting sponsor is something I'd love to have for next year. But this year, since we didn't know what it was and how fans would be able to interact in arena, we, we kept it you know kind of like, let's get the competition going, let's get the players fired up about the opportunities, the competitions, let's build some rivalries. So I would say check on all those, and I think the revenue opportunities and the site where we do it are things we'll look at for next year. If I could, Howard Randall with the next year. Good to see you. Good if, to see you. If, if I could jump off of that a little bit, uh, having it at uh, neutral sites, having the places that are not in the 12, seems like it might be an opportunity mm-hmm. to um, reach fan bases beyond you know the 12 seasons that exist right now. And I'm just curious whether that plays a part in your thinking. You know, so much of it seems like uh, the deals on the business end and everything else have been incorporating the WNBA in the way other sports leagues, traditionally male sports leagues, uh, can take for granted. But obviously, the difference in reach in terms of geographically, you know, whether it's that, whether it's something uh, like expansion or even other ideas, I'm wondering how much that's part of the next step for you guys. Yeah, it's definitely something we're going to look at because you just, in your um, lead in there, kind of made the point about could you draw in more fans where you don't have a market where maybe the college game is really popular and successful, um, you know, and, and some people have said, like, look at a South Carolina, look at a, you know, Knoxville, Nashville, look at an Austin, look at where there's a growing population of digital natives and Gen Zs that we want to bring in as fans of the game. So a lot of people have a lot of comments, which I love, keep them coming. Um, but I think those are the things, you know, we'll look at all of that. But nevertheless, I think we also want um, the fans of the team to be able to travel there easily and in the middle of the summer and the probably, you know, the late July, August time frame again next year. Um, you know, so depending where, where we place it, we want to have an all-star game again because that was great this year having an all-star game. So, you know, juggling all of that and where that would be next year versus the Commissioner Cup final. So th- those are all on the table for those kind of things. Do you want to do something innovative around a 3x3 format leading into one of those? Because, you know, look, a 10-minute game with a 12-second shot clock is pretty cool uh, when we saw it in the Olympics this year. So lots of ideas around how we innovate, where we do things. Um, we'd love to do something longer term once we're t- out of COVID around a, a festival atmosphere with basketball surrounding it um, as well because, you know, we made, um, you know, some, you know, the players are looking for us to innovate around format and location and things like that. So, yeah, Howard, those are all the things you said would be interesting things to look at, where the game is popular, test expansion markets by doing something there. All that stuff would be on the table as we go forward, probably not for next year, but the years after that. Any other questions for Kathy? Could I ask one more, if I, if I could? Sure. Um, the, um, the point you were making about after COVID, so much of your planning in the overwhelming majority of your time as commissioner has had to <laughs> yes. deal with that, as, as you well know. Do you, do you think of it as there's going to be this defined time after, or has your thinking changed in that way? Uh, you know, this is something that since we're going to plan for for the near future. Yeah, I, I think obviously the virus and the science of the virus and the vaccines and boosters and everything, we've been knock on wood so successful with following the science and we'll continue to follow the science and, um, and, and figure that part out. I think as a society, I'll comment more on society, not WNBA, like as a society, I think we are going to have to learn how we live with a virus like this that it isn't, there isn't a, 
pre, during, and post, because I think we're just going to have to live with some elements of it. Um, and actually, there's probably some, as you look at workforces and people going back to the office and virtual and hybrid, and there's probably some advantages now of things that companies have learned. I know from my prior employer, things they've learned around that. So, um, And I think we've learned some things about fan engagement in the digital you know, second screen experience that we've innovated around that we could ratchet up in the future, no matter whether we're in or out or during or... But I, I think, you know, to me, I think we have to, you know, if we can get a higher percentage of the population fully vaccinated, obviously if it ultimately gets approved to children, you know, because we'd love to have youth events and things like that, but it's hard to do that today with variants out there that are highly contagious and kids that can't get vaccinated. So I think all of those factors, so I think we'll be living with this, but I just meant the ability to have more full fans, uh, fan engagement actions, youth you know, youth-type activities, which I think, you know, some of the fans ask, like, we haven't had any camp days. Well, you know, it's pretty hard when the kids are unvaccinated um, and schools are even struggling with back to school and mask wearing and all of that. So, so I think we'll be living with it for a while, but I think also we have to get societally used to, will this become like the flu, you know, where, you know, because such a high percentage of the population hopefully ultimately gets fully vaccinated. I can't be more proud of our players and our vaccination rate, I mean, it's pretty amazing to be like 99.2% fully vaccinated as a league. So very proud of the players on leading on that. And the, and the president thanked the players yesterday for leading on that as well. And so I think when we get to that point, then we have to view it as if we need boosters every year, just like flu shots. And I know those are optional and maybe you, man, you mandate it, not in our, necessarily players, but in you know, um, schools and companies like it's now being mandated as either a condition of employment or to come back in the office, um, you know, because obviously people still have high risk. So, again, we're, we're going to have to live with it at some point in a different way than we're living with it today. But it's going to be interesting to, to see. But I think societally we'll, we'll get used to it. I think hopefully by this time next year we'll have figured out how to live with it and hopefully get a higher percentage of the population. Vaccine and take the politics out of it. <laughs> well, yes. so, um, so I know you do these trips to different markets. Um, yeah, this now. is my 10th. I have two more left. Two more left. Going to Washington Thursday and Minneapolis next there week. There you go. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so this might sound basic, but what do you really get out of those trips, especially now that you're expanding back to the stadium um, and the arenas? And you know, really scary to get into your new leadership in charge. I'm curious what you just picked up from um, being here, specifically in Connecticut, with these trips. Yeah. I'll tell you, these trips, I'll do them every year, even if, you know, I'm well a veteran, you know, I'm still still in my early years here, but um, I learn so much about what's on the mind of the media, the fans, the staff, so I met with the staff of The Sun earlier, I, met with, I just met with the fan groups, season ticket holders, and what's on their mind, because, you know, I can come up and give State of the Leagues, you know, and... And, but like, if I don't have a sense for what's going on in each of the cities in which we play and our players work and live, and, and not in every market do I go meet with the players in the locker room, but some of them, like teams like me to go in the locker room, some don't. Some like me to come to shoot around, some don't. <laughs> so I you know, just gauge each, each location. But I mean, I have enough now, having lived in the bubble with the players last year, enough like interaction now with the players and, and in various environments. So. Um, so I learned a ton. Like, you know, meeting with the fans today was great. Um, and, um, you know, what they're looking for in their team and their experience. And so you, you pick up, um, I always say if I can pick up a few, you know, pearls of wisdom um, that then I can take back and it helps me shape our strategy and how we allocate our resources and our capital 
you know, it's a successful trip. And I'd say in every market, I really do get a feel um, for, you know, what's evolving, how we can bring more. So some of the fans today, I always find the fans here so smart here in Connecticut. Like, they're, they're actually not just complaining about something or bringing up an issue. They're like, here's how I think would be the best way to do this. So I love when people bring solutions, not just problems. So, um, so I learn something in every, in every market. Um, and it's, um, I'll tell you, I think in the, so last year, obviously, I didn't get to do the tour, but I did it when I first started. And think about it, I knew hardly anything about the league. And now I feel so much more confident that when I'm getting this feedback, I actually can take that back and integrate it into some transformation effort we're already doing. Um, but some of the things the fans ask for cost a lot of money, for instance, uh, like billboards and advertising. <laughs> uh, and so you have to kind of, you know, take that feedback and then determine how does, does it integrate in where, where your plans are ready to transform? How can you change something, you know, that, um, you know, might be in conflict? Maybe it's something you like in Connecticut, but maybe in L.A. that it wouldn't work. So, you know, you're just trying to size it all up and, and look at, you know, supporting our ownership group, supporting our players in the best way. A great question. But yeah, two more to go after this. Well, they as you know, Oh yes, very passionate, very smart fan base. They know their basketball for sure. Um, yeah, so I, I remember because Connecticut was in the finals my first season, and I was up here a lot. So I, I really got a good flavor for here, here in Washington more than any other market, just because I went to a lot of playoff games. So, so maybe again this year, <laughs> maybe a clinching game tonight for somebody. Somebody's going to clinch a playoff spot tonight. So. All right, well, thank you guys. Thank you.